You're listening to The Gary Harris Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. At 5.30 today, click TuscaloosaThread.com for more local news, sports, and weather coverage throughout the day. It's free. Don Hartley, Town Square Media, Tuscaloosa. The Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tider Insider TV, Crimson Tide Kickoff, play-by-play for Alabama Sports, and Sports Director for WVUA 23. It's time for the Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama Sports, Tide 100.9, and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Gary Harris Show for this Monday, February 19, 2024. It's gorgeous outside, but it is chilly. That's warming up quickly because you know the sunshine is in the south. Sunshine comes out, it warms up. But, man, it was cold this morning. No other way around it. I think it might have uh, gotten down into the, uh, I don't know, 29, 30-degree range, um, somewhere in that range. It was cold, but it's uh, it's warming up nicely. Today's going to be a beautiful day. In fact, we're going to finally have a beautiful week. I mean, there is just... Um, there's nothing but sunshine in the forecast this week. And after staying in the upper 50s today, it's back into the uh, 60s tomorrow. And then Wednesday and Thursday should hit around 70 and stay fairly warm through the weekend with uh, highs in the um, upper 60s. And Sunday, it's supposed to tip out around 70 again. And again, no rain <coughs> in the forecast. So excited about the weather and and maybe we'll get in this nice pattern and um everybody will get well <coughs> including me i continue to feel a lot better but i guess talking again as much as i do it's hard to get rid of this this cough but it has been a, a lot better so we're ready to go this morning what a show on tap what a weekend for alabama sports that we'll touch on here in just a moment i'll tell you about the guest and what we've got on tap um gary harris and of course, Justin Jones and uh, Wyatt Fulton's going to be coming in for hour <coughs> number two to take over for Justin. But we're here until 11 a.m. on Tide 100.9 FM and 12:30 a.m. WTBC. All right, here's the lineup for today: Rodney Orr, Mr. Tider Insider, at 9:30, and then at 10:30, Casey Smith on golf and a lot to cover in the world of golf. I mean, it's uh, the California swing was marred by outside of you know. Nick Dunlap's unbelievable victory in Palm Springs as an amateur before he turned professional. Um, weather issues, and of course then at Riviera, everybody was anticipating Tiger Woods' return. And uh, Tiger pulled out Friday with illness. Uh, he was playing with his good buddy Justin Thomas, who missed the cut. Dunlap missed the cut. Uh, Jordan Spieth signed an incorrect scorecard. So some of the biggest stars were not there for the weekend. But yesterday, <coughs> Hideki Matsuyama put on a show. I don't know any other way to, to put to, to put it. He uh, he shot 62 in the final round. And when he's on, he is as good as any golfer out there, man. I mean, complete game, tee to green, makes putts, uh, great um, short game. And he was phenomenal yesterday, storming from behind to win the Genesis Genesis Invitational. All right. Um, if you want to get involved in the program, the first domain condominiums hotline, 205-342-9904. That's 
888-646-9904 is the number if you want to give us a call. Let's start out by just kind of retracking the weekend here in Tuscaloosa. Uh, we'll get to the national sports. As Melory mentioned, golf, Daytona 500, rain in, you know, along the Atlantic coast of Florida. Uh, that was pushed back until this afternoon, and that's a shame because I was looking forward <coughs> to being able to talk about the race this morning, but Weather has been, uh, yeah, man, it has impacted as many sporting events this year, I think, as I can remember, just in terms of the golf and, and already NASCAR being washed out and other events. Of course, NBA's All-Star Weekend, that's one of those things that if you were really, really interested in it, you probably watched it. It's a show. It's a three-day event. Uh, they scored nearly 400 points last night. But um, as far as right here in Tuscaloosa, it was a, a perfect weekend. Everybody won. Uh, softball went five and zero in the Eastern Bama Bash. Baseball swept its season opening series against Manhattan. Men's basketball hung a hundred on Nemesis Texas A and M. And then yesterday, probably the most exciting game of the weekend was Alabama women's basketball which had owned Auburn in the last four or five years, but had lost down to the Tigers, uh, to the Tigers down at Neville Arena, trailing most of the game yesterday and not looking good. And then a furious fourth quarter rally as the Alabama women absolutely in the fourth quarter just got off the deck and dominated Auburn and came back and won that game. Huge win for Alabama as they got the victory over the Auburn Tigers, 67-61. to 61. And in the process, I think probably pretty much <clears throat> punched a ticket to the NCAA tournament. Now, they don't need to stop winning, but um, and then also I'll, I'll mention men's tennis with a Win over number five USC. How about that? Four to one. So what a weekend for Alabama sports. Um, you know, there was a negative story involving, of course, John Petty, former Alabama and uh, professional basketball player <coughs> up in, um, his home area up in North Alabama. That story was broken last night by Drew Pavan, who works for me at WVUA 23. He was um, arrested on four different counts, including DUI and attempting to elude a police officer um, late Saturday night in Madison County. Was released on Sunday morning, and that's something certainly that um, he's going to have to deal with serious legal issues for John Petty. And again, in this day and age, you know, Justin, we say it all the time, but there's just no reason to drive while you're impaired. There's no reason. There's just no, there's just no reason for it. And, um, if you do it and you get caught, you have to deal with the consequences because especially someone who's high profile, especially with what we've seen from other <coughs> athletes. Um, so, you know, again, it's it's one of those things now where, you know, the legal system is going to have to to be put in um, 
play for John Petty, and we'll see what happens there. But it was an unbelievable weekend, and we've got it covered for you. And we're going to hear from Nate Oates. We're going to hear from Christy Curry on those big wins. I might even work in some some sound from uh, Rob Vaughn and, and Patrick Murphy as well. But right now, let's jump out on the First Domain Condos hotline and welcome in Tom. Good morning, Tom. Gary, good morning. How are you? Doing well. You know, Justin Thomas, i got two things I want to talk about. The first, Justin needs to get over that starstruck uh, of Tiger. Well, I don't know why it, he would be it, starstruck by Tiger. As much, I, mean, I, I, I agree with you. He plays poorly he with him. But at the same time, he plays more golf probably with Tiger than anybody else that plays with Tiger. They're neighbors. They're friends. Tiger calls him his little, uh, his little brother. Um, so I don't, you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I, I can't put that on Tiger. I just, what we saw from JT Thursday and Friday, Tom, or kind of what we've seen from him for the last year and a half. Um, we saw a lot of pressure put on his game because, you know, right off the bat, you play the easiest golf hole on the course at Riviera. Number one's the easiest hole on the course, okay? He parted both days, including Friday when he missed a, what, a two and a half footer? And so right off the bat, that sets a bad tone. Then both days on two, he snap hooked it into the driving range fence protection. Um, he just didn't play well. And I can't, you know, I can't say I, I'm going to let you get back to talking because I know you're going to play the Tiger card. But I can't say that's because he was playing with Tiger Woods. I mean, it's just it's just what we've seen from him. Uh, you know, certainly early in the year we thought, well, maybe he had it fixed. But his putting was atrocious. And then when you put so much pressure on your on your game because you know you can't make putts, um, then it started affecting his shots. I mean, he played, listen, he, there's a reason he didn't make the cut. He played horrible. But I don't. I, got, I, I can't put it all on Tiger. I'm putting it on Tiger. I'm putting it on Justin. He's starstruck. He can't look at anybody. He stares at Tiger. Oh, I don't home. believe that, Tom. I, I, I mean, I, it's pathetic. I mean, he's got to get over that. He's got to look at Tiger as the enemy. Tiger's trying to take my money. I've got to do something about it. i got to quit trying to prove to the world me and him a bit. Stop it and get with the program and start playing golf. My Lord, it's ridiculous. You know, the basketball game, though, Saturday, I thought that was outstanding. And uh, I I, I told Barry and Coach this morning that I thought that A&M came in. They had a plan that they were sold on. They were going to go in the paint. They were going to bully Alabama. Alabama, and I'm telling you, they rebounded. And what killed me was Buzz kept those kids out of foul trouble, out of even getting in the bonus in the first half. And and, and somebody around me, I said, how did they do it? And uh, every time you turn around, they call a foul on A&M. Oh, it'd be the first foul on that person. And he substituted to keep from getting Alabama, letting Alabama get in there and shoot those bonus free throws. I thought that was a masterful stroke. But I also thought Coach Oates, he showed his rear end on what a good coach he is to figure out how to win that game by losing the rebound game, the points in the paint game, but he still kicked that rear end for him. Yeah, he's he's done. You know, listen, he's been incredible since he's been here. 
But this year, the job he's done after losing everything that he lost, and I've pointed it out several times, but I listen to some of these these national shows, and they never talk about the fact that Alabama, based on what they lost from last year's team, both on the court in terms of players and staff-wise, losing your whole staff, they shouldn't be leading the SEC outright. Should not be should not be in the lead. There's no way that a coach should be able to lose as much as NATO's lost from last year's team and have this Alabama team right back where it's at. It, it's masterful. And and Barry said something to me this morning when he was leaving. We were kind of interchanging from you know his show to my show, and he was talking about how is Mark Sears being left off all these national player lists? And I can't answer the question. Mark Sears is the most underappreciated superstar in the country, and it's not even close. And um, I don't know why. I mean, he leads the SEC in scoring, um, but that's fine. Let Alabama continue to kind of slide under the radar. Now, where it matters, Tom, they're not under the radar. You know, right now they're projected to be a, a three seed, and uh, that is outstanding when you consider the number of losses that they have. But as far as national recognition, um, Oates isn't getting enough of it. Mark Sears isn't getting enough of it. But who cares? If this team makes a run in the NCAA tournament um, and can get past the round of 16, they'll get all the recognition that they crave because he's had two Final Four caliber teams, as we know, since he's been here, and neither one of them were able to get past the round of 16. So maybe this will be the team that makes that run. I'm going to tell you something. It's hard. It's hard to go deep in the NCAA tournament. Of course it is. Don't ever let anybody <laughs> fool you. That is a hard job. But I, I was going to say this. Do you agree with me, though, about uh, the strategy Peterson had and, and then uh, Coach Oates and, and staff uh, bowing up with and the players bowing up and coming up with a strategy of their own to offset all that and beat them? I thought that was masterful. I thought it was a great game plan, and to beat that team as good as they are defensively by 25 points is, um, yeah, it's a phenomenal effort. And it was great. And they got a tough one Wednesday night against Florida. <laughs> this Florida team is probably playing with as much confidence right now as anybody in the SEC, including Alabama. So, um, but I like what this team's doing, and boy, if they can win the SEC championship three out of the last four years, be phenomenal accomplishment. Let me ask you this. I, I am so hoping for 15 and three. Oh my God, 15 and three. Uh, I, I, I hope, I wish we could do that. Would that, that is just so unreal to even dream it, much less think about it. And, uh, and then I wanted you to talk to Casey about what I said about Tiger C. Oh, I will. I will. I'll ask him about it. Thank you, Tom. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm still picking 14 and four, <coughs> which I think will be plenty good enough to get him a tie in the league, but, uh, who knows? You know, they got some help, obviously, from Kentucky knocking off Auburn. And uh, that's one I kind of sniffed out a little bit on Friday. Remember, Justin, when I was talking with uh, with Brett Pritchard, I'm like, you know, Kentucky's still Kentucky, you know, and everybody wants to say, oh, you know, it's not different when Kentucky comes to town. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. And that's Alabama included. I mean, it's, it's you know, when Kentucky comes to, to your town, it's different. It's like Alabama in football. And I don't care what anybody says, uh, it's a different atmosphere when Kentucky comes to your campus to play basketball. And Auburn had game day in there, and they hadn't lost all year at home. And they didn't just lose, Kentucky whooped them. I mean, Kentucky, a team that had trouble playing defense, played its best defensive game of the year. And, and, and be leery of Kentucky. When you have that kind of talent, you always have to respect 
the big blue. All right. <clears throat> it's 917. We're going to get to the break. Rodney York coming up at 930. Your phone calls are welcome. 205-342-9904. Love to hear from you on the First Domain Condos hotline. <clears throat> I'm telling you, this this cough has been better. It's only it's only when I talk. Of course, that's a problem when I'm talking on the radio, but uh still still trying to get rid of it. But uh, we'll be back with more and uh including if we don't get any phone calls, we're gonna get to uh, Nate Oates and what he had to say following the win over Texas AM right here on Dive 100.9 FM and twelve thirty AM WTBC, your home for Alabama Sports. This season of Alabama football on Tide 100.9 brought to you by Birmingham Racecourse Casino. Just a few minutes away where you can be a winner, too. From the University of Alabama, this is Crimson Tide Today. It's daily update on Bama sports and it's brought to you by Dex Imaging, the official copier and printer provider for Alabama athletics. Hello again, everybody. I'm Roger Hoover. On Saturday, Alabama men's basketball picked up a 100-75 win over Texas Head coach Nato spoke to the media after the victory. That's a big win. We got teams right on our tail in the SEC race, and we got to protect home force. We need to get it. You know, we didn't do a great job on the uh, defensive glass. I mean, they're the number one offensive rebounding team in the country. They got, I think they would end up with 52% of their uh, misses, so not, not great by us, but I did tell the team. You know, I gave them three things. We, one, we got to try to turn them over so that they don't get shots up. We were okay. We turned them over 14 times, probably not quite enough. Two is we got to actually box out and rebound. We weren't great on that. But then three, I said, like, they don't get any points for getting an offensive rebound. You only get points if you put the ball in the hole. So after they get an offensive rebound, we, we still got to get stopped. I'll have more in a moment. There is no substitute for hard work. Just ask the Crimson Tide. At Dex Imaging, they know the meaning of hard work, too. You don't become the best in the office equipment business without it. If you need a copier and printer company that understands hard work, quality, dependability, and customer service, then give Dex Imaging a call or go to DexImaging.com. Dex Imaging, the official copier and printer provider of Alabama Athletics. Join us tonight for Hey Coach, presented by Alpha Insurance, live from Baumhauer's Victory Grill at 6 p.m. Central across our radio network, with a video stream available as well on all CTSN social media platforms. Any special offers on them? Right now, you can get a $10 bonus reward when you buy a pair. Restrictions apply. Offer available to AutoZone Rewards members. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Sunshine in full supply today, the high at 59. Clear tonight, below 31. The warming trend continues tomorrow and Wednesday. Lots of sunshine both days. The high tomorrow is 63 for Wednesday. The high very close to 70. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 41 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You see him on WVUA 23 covering sports and on Tider Insider TV on Tuesday nights. Don't miss a minute of the Gary Harris Show. Weekdays from 9 to 11 on Tide 100.9. 9.22, welcome back into the Gary Harris Show. Speaking of uh, Mark Sears, today is his birthday. 22nd birthday. Happy birthday to Mark Sears, man. I tell you what. For him to want to go to Alabama out of high school and not be able to do so, go to Ohio U, become a force there, and then transfer back to his home state in the last two years, he has been 
fantastic. And we talk about the Alabama team this year and what it's been able to accomplish. It doesn't come close to accomplishing any of this without Mark Sears. He's the best player on that team. All right, let's get to a few minutes of uh, Nate Oates following the win over Texas A&M, uh, Alabama, 175. Um, now, A&M did what it does. They got on the offensive rebound, uh, offensive backboard, and, and ton of offensive rebounds, but Alabama just able to outshoot them. Here's the head coach of the Crimson Tide. That's a big win. We got teams right on our tail in the SEC race, and we got got to protect home force. We need to get it. You know, we didn't do a great job on the uh, defensive glass. I mean, they're the number one offensive rebounding team in the country. They got, I think they would they end up with fifty two percent of their uh, misses. So not not great by us. But I did tell the team, you know, I gave them three things. We, one, we got to try to turn them over so that they don't get shots up. We were okay. We turned them over fourteen times. Probably not quite enough. Two is we got to actually box out and rebound. We weren't great on that. But then three, I said, like, they don't get any points for getting an offensive rebound. You only get points if you put the ball in the hole. So after they get an offensive rebound, we, we still got to get stopped. We're not going to pitch a shutout. They're, they're, I mean, they, they near play three centers at sometimes. You just go all in on the offensive class. So, you know, after we get, you know, like you look at Garcia, who's probably the best rebounder in the country, he had eight offensive rebounds, only scored three points. So, Thought we did a decent job after they got some old boards of actually making sure they didn't score off those. The, 20, the 21 second chance points is a lot, but considering how they score, it, we were able to manage it. We had 16 second chance points ourselves. So, you know, and they, you know, we obviously shoot the ball a little better. We, we start four guards and they play three centers at, you know, multiple minutes throughout the game. And they usually have, you know, at least two center types or they call them power forwards whatever they want but their, their main objective is to go out get offensive rebounds so you know two totally different styles but you know we we're fortunate we got them at home and shot the ball pretty well and got the win because it was you know it was a well-needed win at this point of the year yeah coach you mentioned on the radio before that you guys brought in coach Saban to speak to the team just what did you or why did you do that what did you want him to tell the team yesterday I, I mean he's to me maybe the best team coach of any team sport in modern college sports history and he's right here he's you know I talked to him shortly after he retired he told me when he's going to come back to town I asked him if he wouldn't mind speaking to the team when he came back to town so this was in the window we kind of had the week off between games I thought it'd be good for our guys to hear from you know a respected coach like him on what it took to win you know he was great at Turning out NFL players, you know he taught. Yeah, you know he was, he's great. And he said, "I don't know much about basketball, but here's what I can apply from football." I thought I thought he was really good. I mean, he's obviously won a ton of games, and I tried to learn as much as I can from him. I was fortunate that I was able to spend, you know, five football seasons with him here and learned a little bit. Shoot, if he's around here, I'm going to keep picking his brain, see if he can keep talking to our team as the years go on. Um, defensively, how would you just assess the way the team played, especially coming off the bye week where you said you worked on a lot of defense? You know what? They're a hard one because you could be really good at a lot of things on defense and still not be great because you give up so many old boards. So we were definitely improved, not to the level I'd like to see us. We, we, we are analytics at us at a 1.04, you know, 75 points on 72 possessions. So 
not where we needed to be, but you know we were able to beat a pretty pretty good team by 25. So you know I thought Sears was better. I think his effort, he won the blue collar and won the hard hat. You know, I thought his effort was a lot better. I, you know, we still there's lots of things we still need to get better at. We're going to keep working at it. I think it was good that we played A&M before Florida because Florida's another good offensive rebounding team. And so we're going to have to be really good on the glass. But we were better, nowhere close to where I'd like to see us, but but trending in the right direction. Uh, Latrell scored all 16 of his points in the second half. He mentioned that you got on him a little bit for passing for shot in the first half. In that like little burst he had, where you think he took two transition threes right in front of the team bench, is those the type of like you know, freewheeling shots you want him to be taking this for the team? Yeah, anytime he's open, he needs to shoot the ball. I mean, he's one of the best shooters I've ever coached. Why he would ever pass up an open shot uh, is beyond me. I, I, I wish my college coach told me to shoot every time I was open. Like I. I I'm get irritated with him when he passes up open shots. And if he got his foot behind the line on the one transition three hit, he'd had 17 points. And you know, I, yes, I, anytime he's open at any point in the game, I mean, barring some end of game situation where it wouldn't make sense, but if he's open from three, he should be shooting the ball 100% of the time. All right, good stuff from Nate Oates. We got some breaking news from uh, Pete Thamel, ESPN. Chris Kapilovic, Kapilovic, um, Baylor offensive line coach, is being hired by Kalen DeBoer to be the new Alabama line coach. He was at Michigan State this past season, so he hasn't been at Baylor long. I don't have much on the guy. Uh, we'll work on getting some more information. We'll ask Rodney Orr about it. But Chris Kabilovic from Baylor coming over to Tuscaloosa to be the offensive line coach for the Crimson Tide. Again, more information coming on him in the next segment with Rodney Orr. Hey, listen, I failed to mention at the top of the show, but this hour is being brought to you by Alabama Credit Union, member-owned and not-for-profit. Alabama Credit Union really is just a better way of banking. Become a member today. Find out that membership certainly has its privileges at Alabama Credit Union. That's alabamacu.com, alabamacu.com, Alabama. Tax support to 511-511. Morning kick. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Tax fees may apply. A national championship team covering a national championship team. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Show and it's time for Rodney Orr from TiderInsider.com and Tider Insider TV for his weekly Monday visit and so much to cover and uh, we're going to get right to it. Good morning, Rod. Good morning, Gary. How are you? Doing great. The breaking news: Alabama um, has a new offensive line coach, according to Pete Thamel from ESPN. Chris Kapilovic is coming over from Baylor, where he hasn't coached a game. He was uh, hired by Baylor's Dave Aranda following a. Um, five-year stint at Michigan State. He's a coaching lifer. He played at Scottsdale Community College in Missouri State immediately as an offensive tackle, immediately went in, went into coaching, uh, Deer Valley High School, Phoenix College, Kansas College in Georgia, Alabama State, Missouri State, Southern Miss, North Carolina, Colorado, Michigan State, quickly hired at Baylor and now at Alabama, Rod. So I know I don't know much about the guy, but, uh, got a nice resume. 
Well, I saw where he coached for Larry Fedora for a while, too. The, you mentioned North Carolina. I think he started with Fedora at Southern Miss. He did. Um, so they had a pretty good run there. I think they set a lot of records there, um, you know, as they were there at, at Southern Miss and then also at North Carolina. I think uh, over a five-year period, the average off uh, a rushing yardage was, was higher than any, you know, period in North Carolina history, which is just kind of a little bit – um, you know, it sounds like, I mean, obviously, you know, Kalen DeBoer did his homework. He had a lot of uh, options out there to, to, to choose from. So, uh, you know, again, I, I think it's, uh, you know, we have, just have to believe it's a really good hire. Yeah, like I said, nice resume, played offensive tackle. Not that you have to have played offensive line to coach it, but it is a position that more times than not, Offensive line coaches played offensive line, Rodney, because it's a unique position to coach, and I do think it's more difficult for somebody that didn't play the position. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, again, having the knowledge that he's had, he's played it probably all his life, has a great understanding. If you've ever talked to offensive linemen, it's a, it's a uh, you know, there's a, there's a, it, they're a work of art, man. I mean, it's a, they really appreciate what they do, and I'm sure that you know his experience. Uh, you know, it's 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 uh, kind of becomes a love for these guys as, as these offensive linemen. It's a unique uh, position. So um, no, I mean I think that certainly you know his experience there is really something that catches your attention. And for a while on that Michigan State staff, Mel Tucker staff, he was the highest paid assistant on the staff. So certainly. Uh, it appears to be a good hire, and for Alabama football now, um, I think there's still one staff position that might uh, not be set, and uh, the only two official announcing announcements have been the two holdovers, uh, Gillespie and Roach, but it appears, Rodney, that this coaching staff now is going to be uh, ready to go for spring. Yeah, have they named the tight ends coach yet? No. I mean, it's, I know that's probably going to happen here and just maybe a little bit later today. That's my expectation anyway. Uh, so, um, yeah, no, I mean, I think it's great that you, you obviously needed to get your staff, you know, settled in and, uh, had most of those guys already here and, uh, you know, filling these two positions is something that's, uh, that's been a, uh, you know, high priority. I know. Uh, but like you mentioned, they start spring practice two weeks from today. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, it, you got, you got to get your staff lined up and ready to go. And one thing on Kapilovic, he has coached some good players. I'm not saying that he hasn't, but the type of player and the uh, level of player that he's going to coach here at Alabama, he's going to be working with uh, the best of the best as far as offensive linemen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, obviously he's going to have a good nucleus on the interior part of the offensive line with uh, some of those guys that are coming back. I mean, obviously you've got uh, Parker Brailsford transferring in from Washington as a center, one of the top centers in the country. And then you have Jaden Roberts at right guard, Tyler Booker at left guard. Of course, now look, you know, they could always try one of those guards at tackle. You just never know. Uh, you know, uh, we'll see what happens. But you've got some young players. Elijah Pritchett obviously had some experience from last year. He rotated in quite a bit, played a lot at that left tackle spot. You would think he'll get a – you know, an outstanding opportunity this spring, uh, to, to win a job. And then also you got a lot of young guys, whether it's Olasa Lennon, who could play inside or outside. Obviously, Wilkin Formby, uh, from here in Tuscaloosa could play inside or outside. Either one, he's got the versatility. Uh, Miles McVeigh is another young player. So, and you got the transfer in from Texas A&M, Nicole Bertrand. So, uh, you know, he's another guy that you have another option. And, you know, who knows? After spring, they may go. 
the portal route and see if they can find another tackle with experience. So, uh, yeah, he's going to have a lot of guys to work with and um, look forward to watching that this spring. And, Ronnie, you said earlier that you feel like that we'll get something announced on a uh, tight ends coach very soon. That's my guess. I think so. I was told last night that probably the offensive line coach would come this morning or at some point. And then, uh, you know, I would, I would suspect that the tight ends coach will be right behind. And with spring ball just two weeks out, they're settling in. Uh, they've been busy. There's been a lot going on. But just I know you talk with a lot of people and just your perception right now on Kalen DeBoer's first, you know, several weeks on the job and, and how he's settling in and, and what it feels like to you uh, for Alabama football heading into a spring without Nick Saban. Well, very odd, you know, not having Coach Saban. I mean, 17 years, you get really used to a guy. Uh, but with that said, I mean, really excited about uh, Kalen DeBoer you know, starting his tenure here. Uh, it's going to be a lot of changes, obviously. He, he certainly has to do things his way. He's been very successful in the past and no reason to expect that he won't be, you know, in the future. So, uh, but as far as his first whatever, how many, 37, 38 days, whatever it's been since he was announced, um, you know, he's had a lot of on, on his plate. I mean, it's a big transition to begin with. And then, you know, he's had some things that have cropped up, obviously. He had some a big recruiting to do, and he did a tremendous job, in my opinion. He's brought in some great players from the from the transfer portal, might even bring more in. I mean, I, I would just go ahead and say this. Keep your eye on Keon Sab, the safety from uh, Michigan. Uh, that could be the next guy that, that – and I'm not saying he is, but we, we don't have 100% confirmation, but keep an eye on him. He's a possibility who entered the portal recently. Uh, but uh, did a great job with all the guys that he has brought in and then the, the, the signings that he got, Noah Carter, uh, great player. We talked about him. Of course, Ryan Williams goes without saying. But, but Gary, how about the way he's held – team together i mean you had a lot of guys that left but most of those guys left you know at the end of the year coach after coach saban before coach saban had stepped down and you knew there was going to be a lot of departures we said you know a long time ago there was going to be some guys that would would be you know departing uh so that really wasn't a surprise but as far as key players i think he did a tremendous job of holding most of those you know again you lost a couple that you would have liked to have kept maybe three or four but but not many so I think he did a tremendous job there. The fact that he held this recruiting class together uh, was was pretty amazing. He's trying to hire a coaching staff, does an incredible job, in my opinion, of doing that. And then all of a sudden you lose Ryan Grubb and, and, and Scott Huff, uh, which was something that maybe they did not they did not come unexpectedly. But it's still at the same time you've got to replace those guys. So it looks like he's done, a, to me, a, a really good job of, of kind of handling everything that's come at him. Rodney Orr with us from uh, TiderInsider.com and Tider Insider TV. And hold on, Justin is uh, sending me some info. I think Ryan Fowler has just put out that the tight ends coach is Brian Ellis. Is that right, Justin? I think Ryan Fowler might have put that That sounds right, Gary. That sounds right. His name had come up. I think he's at Georgia Southern. Uh, so that's a name I was given this morning. Um, earlier to keep an eye on. Yeah, so that looks like that might be breaking. Ellis um, played quarterback at UAB back at uh, in 2007, 2011. So <clears throat> it appears that, uh, according to Ryan Fowler from right here at Tide 100.9 FM, the game that Brian 
Ellis is going to be the new tight ends coach, Rodney. So that staff is going to be going to be set moving forward, and now they can focus in on uh, putting their synopsis together and their um, itinerary for spring. And then when it hits the field in two weeks, there's going to be a lot of buzz. I do know that. We don't know. Still, uh, Coach DeBoer has not met with the media since uh, that introductory press conference. But Rodney, everything that we're hearing is that it's going to be a much different vibe around spring practice as far as the media and, and access. So we will see. I guess right. Yeah, I mean, I, again, I, I've not heard nothing official in that regard. I've, I've heard some things that maybe there'll be a, a viewing period, or, and I don't know to what extent you know the media will be allowed to view practice. Uh, it'll be a, a brief period or an extended period. I have no idea, but I do think that based on some things I've heard, there is a chance there that we might have an, more of an opportunity as, as we used to before COVID, you know, with Nick Saban. All right, Rodney Warren's with us here on the Gary Harris Show. Let's talk men's basketball because uh, I said this earlier on the show, and I think it's kind of getting polished over a little bit uh, because of the fact that, you know, Oates has done such a good job. But uh, for Alabama to be sitting here this deep into the SEC season, the outright leader, uh, that shouldn't be the case. There's no way you should lose two number one draft picks, including the second pick overall, a second round pick, who is your seven-foot rim protector, uh, two other prominent players in Quinterly and Burnett lose your entire coaching staff and come back the next season and be in position to win a third SEC championship in the last four years, Rodney. It's not supposed to work that way. What an incredible job by Nate Oates. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, again, like we've said on our TV show here over the last few weeks, it, it, we're, I think Alabama's ahead of expectations. Uh, you know, at least in my opinion, I mean, they've done an incredible job. I think they, it's amazing to me. And we, we talked about this really early too, Gary, in the season when, you know, sometimes when you have a lot of new players, a lot of new coaches like that, it takes a while to, to develop a chemistry. I, I know they had some kind of ups and downs earlier in the year, but it seems like they've really developed and matured. I've seen some things that are really encouraging. I mean, when they went to Auburn, uh, you know, it wasn't a good night, obviously. It kind of there late in the first half. Uh, things went south, and you know Auburn really kind of controlled that game pretty much and won big. But the way they responded, you know, with LSU, and then this 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 Saturday morning against Texas A&M, once again back to back games, they hit hit the century mark and above. So, uh, yeah, I mean it's one of the most prolific scoring. Uh, what what are they right now, Gary, nationally in scoring? I, I don't even know. I, well, I got a rank. I'd have to look it up. I don't have the stats yeah. in front of me. Yeah, they're one of the most prolific offenses, you know, offensively uh, in the country. Uh, so yeah, it's been a it's been a uh, tremendous uh, uh, last few weeks in terms of the way they've uh, progressed. I know they lead the SEC and, and you know past Kentucky in that in that regard, but yeah, they're right up there at the top. It, it's it's been a phenomenal run, and uh, for this Alabama men's basketball team, there was so much emphasis this past Saturday, Rodney, on the Elite Eight team from 2004. And we, you know, you know, I've talked about this in depth. The number of teams that Alabama had that I think was good enough to make it to the uh, final four that didn't, including two of the last three under Oates. But maybe this will be the year uh, because Oates has had a number two seed, and then last year a number one overall seed. This year Alabama's projected to be a three seed. But this is the kind of team because of their ability to score, right? If they if they get into the tournament and make a run, maybe this will be the final, you know, the first final four team. I think they've got that potential. Do you? Well, you know, again, it's a long way off, but you're right. I mean, I think uh, it's going to be exciting to see if they can take that next step. I mean, 
right now where they are. They're positioned, to, you know, in the SEC really well. And, uh, you know, if they win another one, that'd be pretty amazing. And then, you know, see what happens in the tournament. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I know that there's a lot of people excited about the potential that they have once the, we get to that point. But, uh, you know, right now, still a little bit to play. And Justin looked it up. Alabama's tied with Arizona for number one in scoring offense in the country. So there you go. Un, 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 unbelievable. And they'll try to keep pushing. Also this weekend, I mean, again, if you're an Alabama sports fan and I know some of the, the folks that, that, that do this, that's their, that's what they do. They're retired or, or, um, you know, it's to catch as many Alabama sporting events as they can and they plan their schedule. Well, I'm going to catch this game at this time. And this Saturday was a, was a, uh, it was a busy day. You had basketball. Softball, baseball, same thing yesterday with women's basketball. Fun time on campus, Rodney, and you sense that, uh, you know, when you, and I know even on your board, I mean, Alabama football is always going to drive the bus, but, um, there's a lot of winning sports here at the University of Alabama. You know, a lot of sports that are not just okay, but really, really good. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, it's been, uh, like I said, it's a great weekend. I know that Rob Vaughn got his kind of career here, uh, his tenure kicked off, so to speak, and you know they won three games, had a couple of shutouts. Um, you know, obviously we're we're very impressive there in that opening uh, series there against Manhattan. But you know, again, I'm I'm really excited about him because I think that uh, you know the success that he's had, his track record is is pretty amazing. Uh, I, I thought and coming in, and so it's really encouraging to see that this maybe this baseball program finally will get turned back around. You know, the way we used to. I know it, uh, so so I'm really excited about that, and you know, obviously Patrick Murphy always has a has a great pro, uh, team program uh, softball. So uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's things are uh, just now kicking in for this the spring and. Look forward to the warm weather and to, uh, you know, a lot of success in those sports. And lastly, with spring football starting in two weeks, of course, they've had a big junior weekend already, but the 2025 recruiting class uh, efforts are full bore. Uh, anything you can tell us on the recruiting end of things? You know, really, uh, I just know that uh, obviously they had the, the big junior day that they had. They've got a lot of visits coming up in March. It's kind of in the, been in a dead period right now, and, uh, I know they've got a lot of these combines going on that whatever those, you know, whoever's holding them under armor, rivals, various ones are holding a lot of these, you know, combines, evaluating players, ranking players and all of this. And, you know, I think it's one thing I will say about, you know, Kalen DeBoer and his staff, they're a little bit behind in terms of, you know, coming from a different part of the country. You're having to establish relationships with a lot of these recruits that, that maybe have been, you know, talking to other coaching staffs around the SEC and in the southeastern part of the country, you know, for the last couple of years maybe. Uh, so from that regard, they probably have a little bit of ground to make up, but I think they've been received really well. I think a lot of people, a lot of these kids, you know, saw what happened at Washington over the last couple of years, really excited about that. So I think they're going to do really, really well. Um, you know, but again, I think it's going to have to play out over a period of time. All right. It's uh, cooking on tighterinsider.com as always and uh, still running just $48 a year. Yep. Tighterinsider.com, as you mentioned, $48 a year. You can get instant access with your credit card. If you prefer, there is an address there to send a check. Gives you all our premium information. But also, uh, you know, our all sports forum, which is going there right now. There's a lot of discussion starting up about the the new uh, offensive line and tight ends coach that were, were hired announced this morning. 
So, uh, you know, it's really uh, nonstop there on TiderInsider.com. And your book, Bigger Than Bama, is uh, selling at a pretty good clip from what you have told me. Yeah, to be honest with you, I haven't even had time to really check up on that. Need to do that. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, Bigger Than Bama. It's uh, 1995. You can find it on RodneyOr.com. That's R-O-D-N-E-Y-O-R-R.com. Of course, can't remember that. You can always look on Amazon. Uh, it's there as well. Thanks, Rod. Okay, buddy. Take care. All right, 949, and uh, we're going to break away here in just a moment. The YMCA of Tuscaloosa, um, Jeff Knox, the CEO, and the folks there do an incredible job. Great facility, terrific people, outstanding personal training, fitness classes, uh, silver sneakers program. I mean, everything is there. Uh, the dressing rooms for men and women are both spotless and sanitized regularly during the day. It's just a terrific place to get fit, and great people uh, that are members there, too. There's no no pressure, no stress, nobody trying to be. Uh, a bully on the weights or anything like that. You'll love the environment. You'll love the facility. YMCA of Tuscaloosa, get by and visit 2300 13th Street downtown and become a member today. We're back with more right after this. Tuscaloosa's Old Colony Golf Course is an 18-hole championship layout designed by 1976 U.S. Open champion Jerry Pate. Director of Golf John Gray and fitting specialist Bob Montgomery are PGA certified. Mike Shivitz is the head professional and director of the Tuscaloosa Junior Golf Program. Call today to secure a tee time at the Tuscaloosa Championship Golf Course. Everyone can play. 205-562-3201. Old Colony is operated by Para. Los Tarascos has been serving Mexican favorites like burritos, fajitas, and quesadillas since 1999. Their new location is at 4100 Owen Parkway in Northport. And, of course, you can find Los Tarascos in Tuscaloosa at 110 Skyland Boulevard. The bar areas feature big screen television so you can enjoy your favorite sporting events. Los Tarascos features daily happy. Or text DEAL to 511-511. Text DEAL to 511-511. All pets are unique. Your pets' results can and will vary. Message and data rates may apply. Studies available upon request. Life doesn't wait for when your finances are in perfect order. It just happens. But no matter what surprises come your way, Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. They offer an easy application process and fast decisions so you can stay focused on feeling good about whatever life brings your way. Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. Alabama Credit Union, loans for real life. Visit alabamacu.com to learn more. Some rules and restrictions apply. See if you're eligible for membership, then join today and feel good about your money. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Sunshine in full supply today, the high at 59. Clear tonight, the low 31. The warming trend continues tomorrow and Wednesday. Lots of sunshine both days. The high tomorrow, 63 for Wednesday. The high very close to 70. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 43 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You're listening to The Gary Harris Show. Alabama Sports, Tide 100.9, and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, 953, welcome back into the Gary Harris Show. Um, looks like Alabama's coaching staff is set. Hopefully this week, UA will put out a release, I'm hopeful, to officially announced these hires and positions and responsibilities, but uh, reports that Chris Kapilovic is coming on as the 
offensive line coach from Baylor, where he actually was hired following the season uh, after he'd been at Michigan State for several years. But he is now coming to Alabama. That's according to uh, Pete Thamel from ESPN. And then our own Ryan Fowler with the game reporting that DeBoer is expected to hire Brian Ellis as the new tight ends coach. Ellis is currently the offensive coordinator at Georgia Southern and played quarterback at UAB from 2007 to 2011. So when you look at um, this Alabama staff, it's a blend of University of Washington, where Coach DeBoer was, a blend of University of Alabama, where he is now the coach with Gillespie and Roach and also David Ballou and the strength and conditioning staff and some other support staff people. And a blend of coaches that are coming from outside both those programs. So, again, I'll see people on Twitter. Some will say it's a home run hire and staff is unbelievable. And others will say it's a, it's, you know, it's, it's not a good looking staff. A lot of that depends on your, your bias. All I say is like any staff, you just have to wait and see. I mean, I, I don't know enough about coaching football to be able to tell you you know, in depth on all of these coaches, what they're all about. But I will say this. I think it's best to trust your head coach if you're going to be a fan and trust Kalen DeBoer that he has vetted these guys and has put a lot of time and effort into hiring them and that he is uh, comfortable with the staff that he's put together and trust that they're going to do a good job. I mean, that's um, that's kind of what you have to do. But only time will tell as far as this staff as we get into spring ball and then we get into the season and even beyond. Uh, and, you know, every staff is tweaked. I don't think Nick Saban, I don't think, I know, Nick Saban did not have a staff return intact from one season to the next in his 17 years at Alabama. That never happened. He never had a staff return intact from one season to the next. So even after you hire a staff, there is going to be turnover on that staff. That's just the way it is. But it looks like Alabama's coaching staff is set with these two hires today, Ellis and Kapilovic. All right, that's going to do it for the first hour. It's been brought to you by Alabama Credit Union. Member owned and not for profit. It's just a better way of banking. In hour number two, Casey Smith on golf at 1030. We'll hear from Christy Curry and the players following Alabama women's big basketball win over Auburn on Sunday. More of your phone calls as we'll switch over from the first to main condos hotline to the Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline. So another hour of the Monday edition of the Gary Harris Show is coming up right here on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC. Hunter Johnson. It's the Tide Basketball Post Game Show, brought to you by Pritchett Moore Insurance, Tuscaloosa's best choice for business and personal insurance for 90 years. As much as industry has evolved, it will always be that place to escape and have a good time. Whether it's for a game day weekend, to reminisce on college days, or to create new memories, if you're looking for a good time, there's only one thing to do. Head to the free at 1925 University Boulevard. And don't forget about the Lucky Lunch Meet and 3 special Monday. You 
lumedeodorant.com, code 300. For an extra $5 off a Lumi starter pack, lumedeodorant.com, code 300. If you haven't already, you've got to try Tuscaloosa's unique breakfast, brunch, and lunch concept, Brick and Spoon, downtown Tuscaloosa, Timerson Square. It's fresh food with a Cajun flair featuring a full bar with build-your-own Bloody Marys and mimosas. Open daily, 7 a.m. until 2 p.m., available for after-hours. Fit every time. Plus, at these prices, well, we're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. WTBC Tuscaloosa and W265CG Tuscaloosa, a town square media station. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. From the Fox Sports Studios in Los Angeles. Here's Kevin Wired. We have breaking news in the NBA as multiple outlets reporting that the Brooklyn Nets have fired head coach Jack Vaughn. In the All-Star game last night, East outscores the West 211-186 as the team combined for 397 points on 289 shot attempts and 168 three-point attempts. Damian Lillard, the All-Star game MVP with 39 points, is the first player to win that award and the three-point shooting contest in the same weekend. At the college level, number two, Purdue upset by Ohio State, 73-69. Number 24, Florida Atlantic loses to South Florida, 90-86. to Major League Baseball, pitcher Liam Hendricks and the Boston Red Sox in agreement on a two-year contract. And the Daytona 500 is supposed to get going today at 4 o'clock Eastern after being postponed yesterday due to rain. Now, this hour is West Alabama real-time news update from the Tuscaloosa Thread Newsroom. The Northport City Council is scheduled to meet today with University Beach LLC to discuss the proposed partnership between the developer and the city for an 80-acre water theme park just off Highway 82 West. The Tuscaloosa County School System promising appropriate discipline for a racist prom proposal made on social media. The post references cotton picking and African Americans. It's President's Day in Tuscaloosa City and County Schools. Federal and state offices and courts are closed. UA and most municipal governments in the area are open today. Get 24-7 local news coverage and sports updates when you download the free Tuscaloosa Thread app and sign up for twice-daily email newsletters. The Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tider Insider TV, Crimson Tide Kickoff, play-by-play for Alabama sports, and sports director for WVUA 23. It's time for the Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back in for hour number two of the Gary Harris Show here on Tide 100.9 FM, 1230 AM, WTVC, the Tide 109 app. And Tide109.com. I'm Gary Harris. We got Wyatt Fulton stepping in for Justin Jones here to produce the program here in the second hour. We'll be taking your phone calls on the Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline and Franny will get to you in just a moment. First though, I need to tell you this hour, the Gary Harris show being brought to you as always by Patterson Comer, attorneys at law. Paul Patterson, Mike Comer, local in Tuscaloosa and Northport. Feet on the ground in West Alabama. That's important. If you need a personal injury attorney, you really want to deal with somebody who is here that you can go to the office. You can look them eye to eye. You know, you deal with one of these 800 law firms. Yeah, they're going to work for you, but you may not ever even meet your attorney in person. That won't be the case with Patterson Comer Attorneys at Law. Paul is in Tuscaloosa at 205-345-1000. Mike's in Northport at 205-759-3939. Remember, the commitment to serve our clients does not stop at the end of the workday. We're available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. PattersonComerLawFirm.com. 
No representation is made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of services performed by other lawyers. Casey Smith on golf coming up at 1030 right now, though. Let's start off this uh, hour number two by jumping out on the Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline and welcoming in our pal Franny. Good morning, Franny. How are you doing? Doing a lot better. Feeling a lot better. Oh, good, good. I I thought your listeners would be interested in this. The rest of Tennessee's schedule, since they're a game behind Alabama. Sure. At, at Missouri, home games with A&M and Auburn. But then at Alabama, at South Carolina, and they finish at home with Kentucky. Yeah, it's tough. I, I think, Freddie, for Alabama right now, um, if Alabama beats Tennessee, I think they're going to wind up winning this thing outright. I do. Yeah. I think 14 and 4 is going to get it because everybody else has four losses at least, thanks to LSU beating South Carolina over the weekend. And, yeah, that uh, out. And, and uh, I, I think now Tennessee's got three losses, if I'm correct, right now. They've got three. Correct, yes. So, but. Um, yeah, I, I think that this Alabama men's basketball team, what I said earlier, is phenomenal what Nate Oates has been able to do. Uh, when you uh-huh. lose as many players as they lost from a team that was the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament, SEC regular season and tournament champions, you lose the entire coaching staff, and you're back here now. We are, you know, down the stretch run, and Alabama's in solo first place in the league. Phenomenal. I'm, I'm just yeah. uh, I'm blown away by it. But, no, I'm with you. If, listen, if Alabama finishes 14-4, and four, at worst – they're going to be in a tie for the SEC championship. Right. And might, like and I said, I, might win it outright. And I did go to the women's game yesterday. I, I watch them and listen to them all the time. Yeah, well, good. I'm glad you got uh, to go. Tell us about the game because I didn't go, but I was monitoring it. And, uh, you know, it sounded like for three quarters, Auburn outplayed Alabama. But in that fourth quarter, boy, the tide came alive. What happened? Honestly, if you watch the Alabama's program over the years, and you know this because you covered them all the time, uh, it was 43 to 41 at one point in the second half. I thought the run was, Auburn was ahead. I thought the run was coming then, but then you look up and it's 62 to 52 Auburn and you're like, oh boy. But then all of a sudden there was a simulated press, but also simultaneously to that, Christy Curry jumped on the officials. Because there are about four times they couldn't figure out who the ball went off of. And you see that sometimes. And three of those times they gave it to Auburn. And she didn't get a technical. So I believe that the ref thought that she was right. Because lots of times, if they know they missed a call, they'll give you a little more leeway in their argument. But uh, they just made some plays down the stretch that they weren't making in the third quarter. And then once Barker and only and I get going, the rest of the team just kind of follows follows that. But it was really the defense that they sped up Auburn and Auburn panicked. Yeah, I mean Alabama outscored twenty five to nine in the fourth quarter, and that's 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 winning time. And it uh, mm-hmm. and it was an important win for a lot of reasons, Franny. And I'm so glad that you were there. Um, but for to beat Auburn number one. And to kind of keep that dominance because Auburn had had snapped a losing streak against Alabama earlier this year at Neville Arena. So you beat your in-state rival, but also I think and, and listen, the season's not over. But at twenty-one and seven right now, I think Alabama's pretty much already punched their ticket for the NCAA tournament. 
Yeah, and in the back of my mind, they were 20 and 5 last year at one point, and then they lost the last six games. I believe they finished 20 and 11 uh, last year. And I know at South Carolina, the next game, we all know that they're probably going to lose that. Probably. Yeah, uh, I mean that's just being honest. I mean it would be, <laughs> it would be a shocker uh, if Alabama yeah. won and beat a team that's undefeated. But you know what? Um, you get to measure yourself against the best, and yeah. uh, that's the good thing about that game coming up against South Carolina is you're playing the best team in the country. Period. They're better than LSU. They wanted LSU. Right. Uh, they're better than Stanford. They're better than uh, Connecticut. They're the best team in the country. So you'll know exactly where you stand against the best. And you know what? You can go in there and, and, and play hard and let it all hang out. And there's nothing to, you know, there's no shame in losing to South Carolina. I think Alabama will be competitive in that game. And when I say competitive, I'm not talking about, you know, looking up with four minutes to go in the game and have a chance to win, but not get blown out, I guess is what I'm saying, Franny. I think Alabama can, can keep that game. And this is South Carolina we're talking about now. So if you keep it with yeah. them. 8, 10, 12, even 13, 14 points, I think that's a respectable effort. Yeah, correct. And the reason why I brought that up, all of a sudden, if you lost the Auburn game, oh, then yeah. you lose the South Carolina game, then it's a three-game losing. That's right. No, it was you. Well, let me you ask you this, because, again, not being at the game, it seemed like, you know, Christy Curry had been on my show. She had done her press conferences, and she had been talking about the crowd, and it seemed like the crowd was electric yesterday. Was the atmosphere great? It was in the fourth quarter. Here's what uh, Auburn brought a bus or two buses of people for the Auburn uh, contingent. And mm-hmm. I know because, you know, in the basketball crowds, you can pack out who's who very easily sure. for the women's games. And uh, they dominated a lot of that game. So we were just sort of waiting for something to happen, and then it it did. But, I mean, it was fine, but it really picked up in the fourth quarter when the, when the rally started. Well, good. So. It was a great win. We're going to hear from Christy Curry here uh, in a few minutes and her players, and I, I did not mention, but uh, you, you alluded to her and I, uh, Sarah Ashley Barker going over a 1,000 points for her career, which is always a, um, a great achievement, accomplishment. And she's just been a – you know, it's it, – Franny, things work out the way they work out. She wanted to go play for, for Joni over at Georgia. Um, but when Joni left to go to Texas A&M, it opened an opportunity for Sarah Barker, uh, Sarah Ashley Barker to come home. And she has just been an incredible player for the University of Alabama. I mean, an incredible player. And I think she spends half her, uh, a half her post game time in the ice bath because she's always on the floor oh. going after rebounds. Or- I, I'm, I'm, I'm so thankful she stayed healthy because you're right, man. She's on the floor as much as she's on her feet. I mean, she dives for every loose ball. She bangs in that paint. Uh, you know, she's now listen. She's she's not a small girl. I mean, she's six feet tall and she's athletic put together. But she's banging in there with six four, six five, six six girls, man. I mean, yeah, I, I love her game. And Nye, wow. I mean, her ability to shoot from the perimeter. Right now, you just feel like every time she pulls up, she's going to make it. But Yeah, but you know the best thing about her now? She's willing to take a two-point shot and drive to the basket. Yeah, she is. She's, she's, she used to purely be a three-point shooter. But I still feel like every time she shoots a three-pointer, it's going in. 
Oh, yeah, me too. <laughs> All right, man. Take it easy. Great stuff, Franny. Thanks for the phone call. All right, bye-bye. We're off and running here in hour number two of the Gary Harris Show. And uh, I got Wyatt Fulton in there manning the controls in this hour, 205-342-9904. Casey Smith on golf coming up at 1030. Uh, we're going to get to our first break of this second uh, hour. And when we come back, I'm going to go ahead and and lay out this Alabama coaching staff. Again, let me say for the record, Wyatt, that the only two official hires outside of DeBoer right now are Gillespie and Roach. But with these two announcements coming this morning on Ellis and uh, let me make sure I say his name again correctly. I want to make sure I wrote it down phonetically so I have it right. Let me find it. Hold on. I want to make sure I say it right and get it into. That's a good thing about names is you got to get in the habit of saying them right from the get go. And then when you do that and then you've got it, you become second nature to you. Kapilovic. Kapilovic, the offensive line coach coming over from Baylor where he actually never coached a game. But when we come back on the other side, I'm going to run down this coaching staff and what it's going to look like as we're two weeks out from spring. More of your phone calls plus Christy Curry and um, Sarah Ashley Barker and Ashley uh, um, or um, Nye. Uh, met the media yesterday. Harlan Boulevard West. Krispy Kreme is open seven days a week. To see our complete donut, coffee, and espresso menu, visit our website at KrispyKremeTuscaloosa.com. Krispy Kreme, hot now and anytime. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Sunshine in full supply today, the high at 59. Clear tonight, below 31. The warming trend continues tomorrow and Wednesday. Lots of sunshine both days. The high tomorrow, 63 for Wednesday. The high very close to 70. I'm James Span on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 46 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Roll Tide. The best sports talk, period. Your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9. And streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Back into the Gary Harris Show. Gary Harris, Wyatt Fulton with you. Of course, uh, Wyatt will be on with Kerry Clark at 11 a.m. with T-Town Sports Daily following my show. 205-342-9904 is the number on the Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline if you want to give us a call. And uh, we're going to get to some Christy Curry and Alabama women's basketball audio in just a moment. First, though, I do want to go ahead and give you what this coaching staff uh, for Alabama football looks like. Now, keep in mind, again, Kalen DeBoer obviously is the head coach. But the only official hires have been two Alabama holdovers. Robert Gillespie, the running backs coach from Nick Saban's staff, and the defensive line and associate head coach Freddie Roach on the defensive side of the staff from Nick Saban's staff. But with the news today breaking by Pete Thamel that – Kavilovic, Kapilovic, Chris Kapilovic is coming over to be the offensive line coach. And then our own Ryan Fowler from Tide 100.9 FM in the game putting out that Brian Ellis is coming over from Georgia Southern to be the tight ends coach where he's the offensive coordinator, former UAB quarterback. So this is what the offensive staff should look like, at least looks like right now on paper. Offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach Nick Sheridan. Offensive line coach Chris Kapilovic, running backs coach Robert Gillespie, and then wide receivers and co-offensive coordinator Jamarcus Shepard, then tight ends coach Brian Ellis. On defense, 
The defensive coordinator and linebackers coach, Kane Womack from South Alabama. Co-defensive coordinator and also working with defensive backs, we believe, Colin Hitchler from Wisconsin. Defensive line and associate head coach, as we said, Freddie Roach from Alabama. <coughs> Co-defensive coordinator also, I think, will be working with the defensive backs, Mo Linquist, former head coach at Buffalo, and then working with linebackers and maybe special teams as well, William Inge coming over from the University of Washington. So as I said earlier, you got to blend from Alabama, Washington, then outside the program, outside either one of those programs. So it looks like a pretty nice blend. Why? Let me get you uh, on here as far as this coaching staff is concerned. I'm I'm kind of laying out what it looks like on paper right now. Again, I think now we're going to get an official release from UA this week. I agree with that. I, I think you know the UA Board of Trustees is going to vote on it, and I've never heard of the Board of Trustees turning down uh, a coaching staff. So I think they get a vote on it, and I think by the end of the week we'll get a press release. Is it your expectation that Ends will handle special teams, or could it wind up being Ellis? And that's the one area where all these coaches are going to have positions, obviously, but one of them is going to have to handle the special teams. What are you thinking there? I think it's Jay Nunez during the week. He's going to be the special okay, teams so he's coordinator been- from Oklahoma, and then somebody else. Probably Inge or or maybe uh, Ellis will handle it during uh, yeah, game. Yeah, because Nunez won't be able to have a headset on during the game. No, if 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 all ten of these coaches are on the field as we're expecting them to be, yeah. Nunez won't have a headset. So he could coordinate it, and then somebody else during the game can make the special teams calls. I think it'll be Inge. Yeah, yeah, I do too. So anyway, I like the staff on paper. You know why? The thing about a coaching staff is is. Again, you're going to have people on both sides. And when I say that, I mean people that are don't want to see Alabama do well and people that do want to see Alabama do well. The people that don't want to see Alabama well, they're going to look at this staff and they're going to be critical of it. I promise you. They're going to say, oh, my gosh, man, they, they lost Grubb. They lost Huff. You know, there's a downgraded offensive coordinator. There's a downgrade at the offensive line coach. You know, they didn't get this guy. And then on the other side, pro-Alabama people are going to be, man, this is a home run staff. You know how it works. And then you've got people that are kind of in the middle. And that's what I try to do. I, I try to look at it objectively. And as I said earlier, I just don't think, obviously, you can make an assessment on a coaching staff until they've coached. You know, until you see them in action and you see them come together. And that's what a coaching staff is. It's a blending of ideas. It's a blending of philosophy. It's a blending of the way you coach technique. And it's up to the head coach to always set the itinerary and the agenda for the staff. And that's where Nick Saban was as good as there's ever been. Because he turned his staff over every year. But Nick Saban laid out everything. His motto was do your job. Just do your job. And he made that simple because he laid out the responsibilities for everyone in the organization. So there was no questions. I've talked to coaches before, and they say one of the most frustrating things of being an assistant coach is working for a head coach where you don't really know what the expectations are or what exactly your responsibilities are. Coaches work hard. It's their nature. It's a hard working business. <clears throat> so if they are 
put in position to be successful and the head coach lays out the itinerary for them and all they have to do is go carry it out, that makes it a lot easier on them. That's where Nick Saban was the best. We'll see if Coach DeBoer is as good at doing that as Coach Saban. If these coaches know exactly what's expected of them down to every minute detail. And another thing that does... When the head coach lays out all the responsibilities and expectations for the organization is it takes the guesswork, like I said, out for the coaches and also for the head coach. Because the head coach then, if somebody's not doing the job, he knows exactly who that coach is. There's no, well, is it this guy or where, 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 where are we soft? Where are we leaking? Where are we not doing the job? He knows. And he can make the correct adjustment when the season's over and bring in another coach. So we don't know how this is going to work with Kalen DeBoer. Now we know that based on his last four years as a head coach at Fresno State and the University of Washington, that he's been successful. And we know going back to his days in NAIA at Sioux Falls when he played for and won the national championship practically every year, that he understands how to be a head coach. So, again, do I like this staff on paper? Yeah, I like the staff on paper. I think it's a good blend. I think it's a good blend of coaches that have experience, young coaches, recruiters. And I like what he's done in terms of the support staff, too. So, I feel good about this coaching staff that he's put together, I feel good about Nick Sheridan. Now, there's been a lot of talk about Nick Sheridan, 35 years old. Uh, he took over for DeBoer at Indiana as the offensive coordinator when DeBoer went to Fresno. Fresno, And then a couple years later, he was he was let go. Uh, he wound back up with DeBoer up at Washington. But I think he's been groomed for this, and I do believe – as I have been told by people inside the building, that Coach DeBoer knew there was a good chance Ryan Grubb might not wind up coaching at Alabama this year. He understood that if the Seattle Seahawks made Ryan Grubb an offer, which ultimately they did, <clears throat> that he was probably going back to Seattle. Same thing with Scott Huff, the offensive line coach. So I think he was ready for this. I think he knew all along he was going to slide Sheridan into that role. As we said, Sheridan's only 35 years old, listeners and Wyatt, but he's got an impressive resume for a guy who's that young. He's coached at a lot of different places. First of all, I like the fact that he walked on at Michigan and earned a spot as a starter and won and, and earned a scholarship and has coached at big-time programs. So, again, only time will tell. I like this staff on paper. And now it's time to get down to business. Two weeks from today, spring football starts. Staff's going to be on board. As Wyatt said, we should get Board of Trustees approval and an official announcement on these new staff members sometime this week from UA. And then it's time to go to work. Then it is time to go to work. And that is critical for a new staff, any staff, but particularly a new staff (coughs) Coach Saban's always said this. Coach Stallings used to say this. Why? You don't, you don't win games in September. You win games in the spring, in the summer, 
and in fall camp. That's when you win your games. You know, everybody wants to win when it's time to play the game. Everybody wants to go out. But if you're not prepared to win and you haven't put the work in and you haven't put together the formula for success, you can't just show up in September now and start winning games. And with a new staff and to some degree a new football team, this spring, these 15 spring practices, including the 8A game on April 13th, are going to be critical for the success of Alabama football in the fall. I can't wait. It's exciting. It's new. Um, you know, love Coach DeBoer, what I've seen of him. Now, I don't think anybody was ready to see Coach Saban step down when he did. But he did. And now you move on. And I think under the circumstances, with Coach Saban retiring when he did, for Greg Byrne to be able to go out and get a football coach who just played in the BCS National Championship game and went 14-1, and phenomenal hire. I do, I do believe that. Now, I don't know about the staff. We'll see. But as far as the head coach, I think Byrne hit it out of the park. I mean, you look at all of the coaches in this league alone that have never gone where Kalen DeBoer has been. We're talking about good coaches. I'm not talking about his assistants. I'm talking about his head coaches. As head coaches, Hugh Freeze never been to a BCS National Championship game. Lane Kiffin's never been to a BCS National Championship game. Steve Sarkeesian's never been to a BCS National Championship game. DeBoer saw to that. Josh Heupel's never been to a BCS National Championship game. Most of these guys have never been in the BCS or in the college football playoff. I'm sorry. They've never been to a college football playoff much less a college football playoff championship game. DeBoer has been there. How many active head coaches have been have played in a college football playoff game? You've got Ryan Day, Kay, or in the national championship, Ryan Day, Kalen DeBoer. Smart. Kirby Smart, Davo Sweeney. It's getting, it's true. Let's get short in it. What? That, that about it? After Jim Harbaugh and Nick Saban both left college Let's football? Let's go through it again. Player coaches have been in the CFP College Football National Championship game. Ryan Day, Kirby Smart, Dabo Swinney, Kalen DeBoer. No, because Jim Harbaugh's gone. Uh, you're right. It's a short, short list. Harbaugh's gone. Saban's gone. Yeah. So uh, you, Sonny Dykes, Sonny Dykes five. He TCU. That's right. Sonny Dykes at TCU. <coughs> so you lose. <coughs> you lose the goat, and then you're able to replace him with. A guy who just played the college football playoff. Now. Deal or text deal to 511-511. Text deal to 511-511. All pets are unique. Your pets results can and will vary. As if data rates may apply, studies available upon request. Covering University of Alabama sports, as well as the national and local scene as well. The Gary Harris Show, only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Sounds of spring right around the corner. Augusta National, the Masters coming up in April. Time for Casey Smith on golf. The California swing is over. And, uh, wow, it was interesting to say the least. But uh, eventful, interesting, not probably what the tour had hoped for. Casey is with us to discuss. Good morning, Casey. Uh, good morning, Gary. Good morning, Gary. Uh, 
morning, Gary. No, I think you summed it up perfectly. It was uh, a really incredible finish for Hideki Matsuyama to uh, have a putt winning the course record. Um, and, and picking up his ninth win, which is actually surpasses KJ Choi, who had been tied with uh, for players representing Asian countries. So might not be a big deal over here, but if you go out to a tour event, uh, you'll see how many, you know, Asian uh, media there are out there following Hideki Matsuyama every week. Bigger, much bigger deal over there than you would think. Um, it's very, you know, you could you could give it the equivalent of literally one of our superstars in football or uh, basketball, that type of coverage. Um, and so big time win for him. I mean, the guy hit it six inches on 15, eight inches on 16. Uh, he was in the zone. You know, nothing better on, in golf than getting into a heater. He's got to be feeling great today. Riviera being, you know, a, a major championship venue, one of the favorites on tour for the players. And now he's won at, you know, Augusta National Riviera Memorial. Uh, so Hideki Machiyama has won at the best golf courses in the country and uh, looks like potentially career headed towards a, a Hall of Fame type of career, but he definitely – Back door, I didn't say back door, he went and earned it, but he's, he picked up a win. Not only any of those guys when they teed off yesterday thought he was going to be the guy winning. Yeah, he was phenomenal yesterday, and and I thought yesterday was awesome. Uh, because I, and we'll get back to Matsuyama, because I tell you, when you, when you watch him play and he's on, I, I'm not sure he's not the best player in the world, but we're going to hold that, because I want to get back to the California swing overall and about some of the things that, that you can't control. Now, first of all, I start out with a bang with, with, with Nick Dunlap. Unbelievable what he did as an amateur to win. We'll get to him in a moment, the struggles he's now having as a pro. But weather cut us short at Pebble Beach, which was so disappointing because that was set up for a great final round. Can't control that, but that kind of left you, you know, just feeling shortchanged. And then the weather, uh, the fiasco with the fans. At the Waste Management Open at Phoenix, that kind of left us feeling a little bit unfulfilled. And then you're set up for the Genesis Invitational at Riviera, famed Riviera, to be just a juggernaut of a golf tournament. You got Tiger playing with JT. Tiger has to withdraw. In the second round, due to illness or his back or whatever was doing him. JT can't even make the cut. Nick Dunlap doesn't make the cut. And Jordan Spieth signs for a wrong scorecard. It just Ooh. left us feeling like we should have gotten more out of that West Coast pink. At least in my opinion. Yeah. And the tour, the tour, the tour is, the tour is really today as a result probably because, you know, now everything they thought was going to happen return to golf, Tiger Woods, some of your best courses. And now you, and you're not the only one that feels this way. You, you've got this lull coming through this gap to the Masters and they didn't really capitalize on that. Now what are you going to have in terms of viewership? You, you've got some silly rule that you, you know, some of it's archaic, but some of it is when, you know, it's for regular golf, you definitely got to check your card and all that. But when you have people tracking every single shot of yours and it's entertainment and it's viewership related, what you just laid out is why the PGA Tour has terrible leadership at, at times of, this is common sense. Do we want to take Jordan Spieth, who's under par, out of the tournament? We've already lost Tiger Woods. I mean, 
really killing viewership there. Uh, and with, with, with that, and I get the rules of the rules, but I mean, it's just different today. It's a key, it's televised and every shot's counted for. Uh, and the guy was sick. Um, and they had a bug out there. So yeah, I mean, I'm sure they're hoping really everything he picks up and you know, they don't own the majors. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, uh, it's a little bit of a mess for them. And then articles coming out already about how, uh, you know, really when you look at it, the PGA Tour's first dig at Live was they didn't have the talent that we had. They, well, it's pretty, it's pretty close if you look at the top 54 players for both sides. It'd be hard to determine who's got the better roster. Yeah, um, they're they're going to have to make some moves here, and hopefully, you know. Uh, the Dunlap event was covered big time. He could be a great story for them if he can get it turned around. And I think he will. I think it's just some growing pains. And some of the, you know, it's really tough to start on the West Coast. When you look back at his career, he hasn't played a lot of West Coast golf. He's not from the West Coast. Um, he, they're not playing out there, different type of grass, trying to get himself comfortable. I think you'll start to see that change big time as he shifts back over here. Um, you know, he's won, he won on all types of grasses, won the amateur in Denver and he's won all over, but you know, uh, river chase or not river chase, Greystone country club is where he's played a lot of his golf and in, in Tuscaloosa, Huntsville, all Bermuda grass for the most part, uh, occasional bent greens, but he has obviously won most of his events on Bermuda grass and we're shifting towards Bermuda grass beginning now. He's not in the field in Mexico this week, the Mexico Open. He will be back in the field next week as the Florida swing starts up. So uh, this week you got Mexico Open, but he's um, he's not in the field there. And, and JT, I think, is fine. Um, you know, just one of those things where it's Riviera. You've had some of the best players not play great there. They all love it there. Um, but they, you know, Tiger Woods loves the place. He's never won there right. of all things. You know, so it's it's just a little bit of a can be funky. There's some funky holes. There's some awesome holes, and um, they they just need to. Uh, I think they all had what I read is they they all had some type of stomach bug this week. Many many of them. Even Patrick can't lay down the stretch. Scotty Scheffler, Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas, and I heard Tiger Woods was that's all it was. There's no injury. He was afraid he was about to have an accident on himself. So, yeah, had to go. go. Had, had, had to go. Um, for Tiger, though, long term, because uh, you know you just hate it. You hate it for him. You hate it for the tournament. Uh, but illness aside, it's obvious if you and I watched him closely uh, while he was playing. Uh, his, you know, his upper body. You see the work he's put in. I mean, he looks like a uh, an NFL tight end. Uh, but he's still struggling to walk, Casey. I mean, he, he can't really bend down when he's looking over a putt. I mean, I, I saw some stress on his body even before he got sick. How, how many events realistically do you think he can play this year? And do you think, you know, say Augusta, for instance, when you, I've been there and you, I mean, obviously you have, Oof. that's a tough walk. Do you think he can hold up four rounds walking in a tournament? Well, I don't know. You know, I, I thought that he would definitely win again, and I said win again in pro golf. I think that he will win again on the senior tour. He's going to play that. You get him a golf cart, it's a different story. Yeah, that's right. right. That's right. I agree 100%. Uh, uh, and, and, and I've heard him, you know, he's just not going to do it out there, and he's not 50 yet anyway. But he wants to play, so it's sort of going to be, you know, sadly, I hope he doesn't 
stretch himself to where when he gets there, he can actually go out and compete again. Because I feel like he's the type that looks like what we're seeing is like the type of pain where you just don't see people play golf like that. And he's done that for a lot now. Uh, it's one thing to win a you know a U.S. Open on a broken leg into a playoff, a broken bone, but now you're at a different age. You're a parent. You're a billionaire, and you look like you're doing significant damage to your body. I agree. Well, what I see is like, whoa, he's wincing still. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you really can't go out there and do that, and if it hurts like it looks like it hurts to walk, because we've all had a, you know, and I thought about this the other day, what you're, you're seeing is, you know, imagine when you've had like a sprained ankle or a bruised this or a bruised that, and it's just really hard to get around and you just limp around. He's doing that for, you know, eight miles plus playing, plus warming up yeah. and all that because that's how far it is to walk. So um, not doesn't look great. Um, maybe I think the guy's determination and all the hitting and all that, he can't really, from what I'm told and gather, he can't really figure out how to translate that to them walking and playing golf because he goes out and plays stationary golf or cart golf and he's dominant. Um, and so, you know, and if you can't walk, you know, I don't even know what they can do to make it make it really feasible for him. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I expect that we're – I mean, he's planning to play once a month. Uh, I think we'll see him at Bay Hill again. Uh, I would – I mean, it's a flat – that's a really, really flat, easy walk. Um, I would be shocked if we didn't see him at the players. Same thing. You know, they got a little mounding and stuff. But if you're ever going to play, all these tournaments you're going to play in Florida are definitely going to be – it's almost like he's going to have to fit a schedule around two golf courses, and that's mm-hmm. what I follow along, like Hilton Head, you know, shorter walk. You just may not can play Augusta. That what he looks like now oof, looks really, 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 really hard for him to play Augusta and Riviera going down one and up eighteen are like Augusta for eighteen holes. Yeah, um, wow. So that's that's what I'm seeing. Yeah, good good synopsis. All right, let's get back to Matsuyama because I'm with you on him, and I know you're right. He is a he is an international star, and and uh, he especially you know um, in his home country is just is just revered. But his game, I I got to tell you, as you know, Casey, even on tour, it's one thing to shoot 62 on Thursday. It's another thing to come flying from the back of the pack. That back nine, like you said, he, you know, he's hitting stiff on par fives. I mean, when this guy is dialed in, um, no disrespect to anybody else in the world. I, I'm not sure there's a more complete golfer. When you look at distance off the tee, iron accuracy, ability to make clutch putts, touch around the greens, uh, imagination. I mean, he is a phenomenal player. And now listen, he's won nine times in 10 years, which is no, is, which is no small accomplishment has a major championship. I, I look at him yesterday. I'm like, how's this guy not won 20 times? I mean, he's really good, isn't he, Casey? Oh, he's very, very good and very, very well liked uh, out there. And, and not, you know, a huge English speaker, but has finally the last three years really leaned into that. He is, uh, you know, it's a game of misses, right? And so what I always say, when you see him, like he one-armed that shot on 15 yesterday that he hit to eight inches. And he... So his miss, what he felt like his miss went to eight inches. And you see that a lot from him. Like when he's heated up, he knows if he flushed it or not. And he practices really, 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 really hard. And it, yeah, it makes it look so easy because he hits the dr- driver straight. No one hits his irons as good as him when he's really dialed in. Uh, and then 
it, the, the, I mean, you don't have a four and five, six footers. You know, he's making he makes it look so easy, and then it's you know the, the holes he makes pars on. He's had birdie putts on. I mean, it it was a chance yesterday. He could have very easily gone around Riviera and shot fifty nine or some crazy number. And I felt like I was watching robotic golf. It, it's Scotty Scheffler, but he can actually you know putt at times. And I mean, Scotty's obviously having better career than Hideki, but Scotty Scheffler. It's like when you watch him. He finished tied for first, or he finished first by a landslide in the field this week, and tee to green, strokes gained. He finished 51st in putting. And I was watching him and Hideki, I'm like, God, these guys just, this is if you're a really golfer, you should be watching these two guys, how they hit the golf ball. It is flushing it. Um, and I, and I, I mean, Hideki continues to win. He's still somewhat young. Uh, he turned down a pile of yeah. money to go to live and hasn't um, some of that. He gets paid so much more than your traditional player. That is the equivalent of him given his international stardom. There'll be 40 people after he won this week. There'll be 40 press from, you know, Japan next week just to cover him. Now that he's won, you'll have 40 people in Orlando. Yeah. Uh, Impressive. Yeah. All right, real quickly, Casey, uh, we mentioned Dunlap and JT not making the cut. Good final round for Lee Hodges yesterday at 67. So he gets a T24 and a nice paycheck for the uh, former Alabama golfer who's a tour winner. So there was one Alabama player that made the cut and had a, wound up having a pretty good day on Sunday. Yeah, Lee, Lee Hodges, I mean, you know, those are the events that you want to go uh, go out there and and have a uh, a good event. And, I mean, he, he you're just trying to – Obviously, you're going out there trying to do the best, but I mean, when you're really knowing it's a year-long race and there's points involved and less people in the field, sure doesn't hurt him. He went out and made a nice living, and and uh, we'll be back at it next week. I thought we might see uh, Dunlap in this Mexico field this week, knowing that he'd go out there and really rip it up. But you know, with that win, he really earned his. He earned the right to go plan his schedule. Right. And, and I don't blame him. And he won against the PGA Tour players. And so he thinks, I am good enough to win in any event. And I like his thinking. I would do the same because they try to play in three week runs and you know he's going to play the next few weeks. Um, so we have, we have, uh, we have a few guys in the field this week, but not as many. We have, uh, Davis Riley, Robbie Shelton, Pat Gazar, and, um, Wilson Furr. Yeah, first yeah. And one thing about the Mexico Open, listen, it is what it is. It's not an elevated event. Most guys are skipping it. But for guys who like we're talking about some of them, it's an opportunity, man. It, it's it and I and you know, I hear people say, Well, I don't care to watch when the stars aren't playing. And I get it for big events. But for a tournament over in Mexico, hopefully we'll get some weather. Uh, it'll be fun to watch some of these guys know that they have an opportunity. And, you know, I think you might have mentioned Pat Gazar's in the field too, uh, from Tuscaloosa. It's an opportunity to you know, what a PGA Tour event. It, there's a lot on the line for these guys, many of whom are, you know, as we've talked about, they're not, you know, they're not flying first class and they're not, you know, in limos. Some of these guys are, you know, they're trying to make a living and this is a big opportunity this week. And I think that's sometimes fun as as well. Yeah, well, I mean, they're playing for first prizes, $1.458 yeah, million. So yeah. It's a lot of money. And then that's like 18% of the whole total prize. Plus you're playing in Puerto Vallarta and Mexico and 
Um, yeah, here's your new opportunity, Knox. Who cares who's in the field? Tony Finau, the defending champion, he's in the field. And he has, you know, he doesn't have, have to play that event. Uh, and, and, and I think to your first point and some of the discussion of today that next week you, you get people over here on the East Coast, you get some people in some familiar events. We should start to see, you know, Hondas are going to be a dead next, next week. Uh, and they have a, an opposite field event, but right after that, we should have a good run of Bay Hill, the players, the masters coming up. So it should really kick back up, but we're going to have a little bit of a lull for a couple of weeks. All right, Casey, before we get gone, I only got about a minute because I got to come back and get a phone call in on the other side, but the Alabama men's golf team without Nick Dunlap starting play today at the Water Sound Invitational down in Florida. Uh, what's your outlook for Alabama men's golf of going from a national championship contender to a still a good team, but what will they look like without Nick Dunlap? I would think that they will be able to make the NCAAs, I think that, and hopefully beyond that, but at least regional. They should still have a good year. They should still be able to finish in the top, you know, four to six in the SEC. I don't think now you probably take you away from winning a national title and winning the SEC. Great stuff, Casey. Being the next generation of legends, we are here for you. Aggressively pursuing victory over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. Since 2011, Billy's Sports Grill, located on Main Avenue in historic downtown Northport, has been serving their legendary signature chicken sandwich, award-winning wings, and handcrafted cocktails. Billy's is also the spot to watch all your favorite sporting events with big-screen, high-definition televisions, both dining rooms, at the bar, and outside west. Krispy Kreme is open seven days a week. To see our complete donut, coffee, and espresso menu, visit our website at Krispy Kreme Tuscaloosa.com. Krispy Kreme, hot now and anytime. With a season never ends. This is your home of Alabama sports. Tide 100.9. Exclaiming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, 1053, welcome back into the Gary Harris Show. T-Town Sports Daily coming up at the top of the hour. Uh, right now, uh, we hate, Donald, that we lost you, uh, but we will uh, get to a little bit of that sound from Christy Curry following Alabama's great comeback victory over the Auburn women's basketball team yesterday at Coleman Coliseum. Uh, here's the head coach of the Christy uh, Curry with her opening comments from Sunday. Just really want to say thank you to our crowd. I thought they were the difference down the stretch. Incredible environment. Um, for everybody to come out on a pretty sunny day with baseball and softball and to support us. Amazing crowd, and we need everybody back in here next Sunday at 2. Just um, proud of our kids for the resiliency and the grit that we showed down the stretch. Um, says a lot about them with eight minutes to go um, and the decision we made to um, defend a little better and find some ways to be the aggressor. Um, I thought... Um, they're the one of the, if not, I think they're the best defensive team in our league. Um, top two, it's rotated a little bit, but unbelievable effort, unbelievable game. Um, but the grit and the toughness by Alabama today was the difference down the stretch. Outstanding. She said it all right there. Uh, you're down most of the game, and then you outscore Auburn 25 to 9 in the fourth quarter. That's winning time. And they did tighten up on the defensive end. And they made some shots. And it's a huge win because Franny called in earlier, and he's right. You turn around Thursday night, and you go to number one, South Carolina. And, you know, this is not a shot at Alabama, but it's the reality is Alabama's probably not going to win that game. 
But now you've beaten Auburn. You come back home after the South Carolina game, and you've got back-to-back home games against Mississippi State and Florida before you close it out at A&M. All three of those games are winnable games. In fact, Alabama and Mississippi State's a good team. But Alabama should beat Mississippi State. They should beat Florida at home. And they should have a chance <clears throat> to beat A&M on the road. So, and you find out Thursday night exactly where you stand against the creme de la creme. You know, we're talking women's college basketball now. And I know LSU won the national championship last year. And I'm not taking anything away from them. They're great. But when you're talking the best of the best right now in women's basketball, you're talking South Carolina. So I think it's great that Alabama gets to play them and play them at their place. It's better to play them on the road. I don't, I don't care what anybody says because they're probably going to beat you whether they play you at home or on the road. So it's better to have a home game against somebody else than have a home game against South Carolina that you're probably not going to win. So I'm excited about this team. I'm excited about what they've been able to do. Christy Curry has made them a consistent NCAA tournament team. And now uh, a chance to get back in the tournament, get a pretty good seed. Of course, you got the SEC tournament as well. And and maybe this year Alabama can win a couple games in the NCAA tournament. That would be awesome. All right, that's going to wrap it up. This hour has been brought to you by Patterson Comer Attorneys at Law. And uh, I want to thank everybody for tuning in this morning. Back tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Catch me with uh, your local sports on TV tonight on WVUA 23. T-Town Sports Daily with Wyatt and Kerry Clark is coming up next. The Miller's Edge from noon until 2. And then Fowler will take you home with the game this afternoon from 2 until 6. Have a great day, everybody. Enjoy the sunshine. And I'll talk to you again in the morning at 9 a.m.